Welcome back, everybody. You got it. Podcast in a car. And um, just got a real dirty look from somebody that uh, apparently does not appreciate podcast in a car. I'm on a, driving on a beautiful day, backwoods, uh, saying hi to my uh, cow friends and llamas. Uh, and uh, all the terrific folks at Lazy Five, where you can see a camel uh, in the middle of winter. And here's a fun fact. Camels actually were probably from, guess where? The uh, northern part of the world. And they were in um, Arctic and subarctic environments, and they migrated. So they can handle the cold. Who'd have thought, huh? I think those little water bottles on their back would freeze. Well, today, I'm going to talk about... Uh, couple of questions I get asked and I want to do this Q&A because it fits it's um, anxiety situational anxiety a little depression versus panic attacks um, I get asked that what, what's what I, am I having anxiety or am I having a panic attack or I get a multitude of symptoms that Oh, look like a jigsaw puzzle and no, there's no conformity and then all of a sudden it's got to be anxiety because if you look at the DSM-5 I like the DSM-4 I'm old school um, that's the diagnostic and statistical criteria it's a thing that psychiatrists and um, mental health people use to help make a diagnosis that's basically built on years and years of seeing people from um, all walks of life A to Z and it's quite a document it's probably about a thousand pages now and it keeps getting thicker so um, we're on DSM-5 now and just when you get to know somebody they get up and leave uh, DSM-4 was at the table and has uh, uh, not really been retired, but it's, it's as I said, DSM-5, bigger and better. Is bigger better? No. <laughs> All right, so what, what do I have? Well, let's get a little background here going here. All right, anxiety, pain, depression, and uh, addiction share very, very common themes. They're very similar uh, from a neurobiological standpoint. In the prim primitive part of the brain, I've talked about this, uh, behind your ear, and it can be thought of as an important part of your brain because um, Mr. Dopamine lives there and a lot of very dopamine-sensitive structures live there, and dopamine's a gasoline of fire change addiction uh it's uh the greatest mood enhancing chemical on the planet and a front row seat if you get enough of it also norepinephrine uh, that's uh what cocaine does um, cocaine gets highly elevated in the locus ceruleus which is the primitive part of the brain part of it and you know you get somebody on cocaine that's getting all that norepinephrine in the locus ceruleus you can hit them in the face and they don't hurt um, dopamine is part of the reward pathway. 
nucleus accumbens, uh, VTA, ventral tegmental area, and things that put you to sleep. They go all the way to the prefrontal cortex where you're thinking, like, I don't want to hear all this stuff. Just give me the facts, man. So, okay, anxiety is really common. Uh, female greater than male, I don't think so, but it's supposed to be. And, you know, you go to Dr. Google, it's supposed to be. But if you actually look in the literature, it's pretty close, male, female, because males have their own form of anxiety that goes all the way from performance anxiety, wink, wink, all the way down to the anxiety of um, job stress, uh, furnishing uh the necessities for family, foraging, it's like this really old paniospinal thiamic uh, way of thinking. and It's just <clears throat> anxiety is there. And in males and in females, and females it's other things. It's um, unfortunately with all this social media stuff, I mean, body shaming is everywhere. And there is stress to look a certain way there is um oh my god the instagram that guy looks like he's having a great time that gal that family that couple they got a life and i have no life that's not true that's a fallacy of uh, these social media platforms they tend to show the best picture possible kind of like those dating sites uh and they tend to want to portray a perfect ideal that doesn't exist. So we get anxiety, and then we take it to us. We take it to what we are. We take it to our core. Sometimes it leads to this vague chest pain. People call it costochronderitis. They call it... um, about everything and take chest pain seriously oh my gosh yes but uh that's part of anxiety and it has to be checked out okay and then it it's a easily startable person you can be very jumpy that's a good word people use is jumpy they can have dry mouth they can get fatigued they can actually be hyper vigilant that means that you know uh, not only are they startled easily, they react. You touch. You've seen people like this. You touch them and they <laughs> they lose their canary. Okay, um, they have trouble concentrating. Uh, they have trouble with sleep. They worry, worry, worry. Distressed. They feel kind of choked in the throat a lot, and it can be prolonged. It can be prolonged, and it can go on and on and. It can be physiologically detrimental. You can slowly kill yourself. Cardiovascular, hypertension, which leads to vascular problems, kidney problems. You can have GI problems. You know, you get it. It's like a a big domino effect. That's anxiety. And it's directly related to some people's depression, too. And there are folks that are so anxious about being depressed that the anxiety exceeds the uh, the moderate depression they might have or the mixed uh, depression 
problem that they're being treated for over the counter or um, with more aggressive pharmacological management. And that would be typical SSRIs and SNRIs and et cetera. But we got to contrast that to panic attacks. Panic attacks are, they're more dramatic. They come on quickly. People get chills. They get dizzy. Rapid heart rate. It's shortness of breath. uh, Shaking. Nausea. Vomiting. They feel smothered. They feel this overwhelming sense of loss and doom. Um, They feel like, oh my God, I I think I'm going to drive. I'm crazy. I feel like I'm crazy. They feel very detached. They feel detached from people around them, their family, friends, close ones. Even though people are coming up to them and say, you're going to be all right. If somebody's having a panic attack, don't say you're going to be all right to them. Um, Get them help. It tends to subside. Whereas anxiety tends to linger. The only thing I'll say about panic is it sits around longer if it's paroxysmal. If you get one panic attack after another. And and let me tell you, it can happen. Uh, There are some people that have had life events and they have triggers around them that set off these panic attacks. And they... They don't know what to do with themselves. In other words, they do not have the coping skills. That's why they need help. People with panic attacks do compulsive things. Uh, I know it. You know, and people with anxiety, they, they'll do anything to get over that anxiety. Give me a pill. Benzodiazepines, uh, you know, that horrible comment of the 70s, mommy's, mommy's little helper. You know, there's anxiety. But, I mean... We can't use terms like that anymore. We have to treat it definitively, appropriately, without benzodiazepines. So the American Psychiatric Association, Canadian, uh, uh, European, they do not use benzodiazepines to treat panic attacks. And they don't think it's indicated. And it's just the first thing that healthcare providers grab is they grab a benzodiazepine. And so you ask, you ask your patient, you say, I see you've been on a Prazolam or Xanax for the past oh, 20 years. I have panic attacks. How many do you have a year and what are they like? And you start getting this scenario and group of symptoms that don't sound like panic. They sound more like anxiety. And they're managing stress as a comorbid feature of anxiety with the benzodiazepine creating more problems. Benzodiazepines over time can cause actual depression. They can cause actual anxiety. They can. And the rebound, oh, the rebound effect from benzodiazepines can be horrendous. If you don't take them, you start realizing, I gotta take one. And I will ask my patients, where's your uh, pain medicine? Oh, I left it at home. It's in my house. It's in lockbox like it told me to. But they always had their benzodiazepine with them. They, all, they carry it with them. It's a Band-Aid. And that's when you know you've got to work on getting them off the reliance on those benzodiazepines. You've got to do it slowly. You cannot stop a benzodiazepine abruptly. All right, then you start looking at, I need my muscle relaxer. Are you taking a muscle relaxer 
for muscle relaxation, which I don't think works, um, or are you taking for anxiety? Maybe for anxiety. We saw that a lot with Corresponder Soma, uh, which was metabolized to meprobamate, which was another one of uh, pre uh, benzodiazepine mommy little helpers. Um, and uh, it is historical. Uh, I hope it's historical. I hope Soma and Corresponder uh, find their way to be gone we've lost some other good drugs historically that i used to love uh but some i can see going away i wish benzodiazepines would go away so i was at a uh addiction meeting american society of addiction medicine great group uh the room was full about 500 doctors and healthcare providers that were there to hear uh lectures on addiction Really good lectures. Really appreciated. Had a lot of fun there. And <laughs> Dr. Seitz, who got up and started talking about benzodiazepines as that topic, said um, that there is no clinical indication for benzodiazepines in addiction or pain. And the room exploded. Everybody clapped and cheered because we know what a problem benzodiazepines are. They are a crutch. And if you're taking a benzodiazepine, please talk it over with a healthcare professional. Ask them, is there another way? Um, is there something else? There are the Wellbutrins out there. There are the other medications that I think can be helpful. It's a discussion. And I think you should have that discussion because... Benzos are a dead-end streak, absolutely dead-end streak. And um, make yourself a little happier. You'll think clearer. Benzodiazepines interfere with sleep. Oh, I need my benzodiazepine to sleep. No, it interferes with sleep architecture. You, you don't get to that stage four that you want to. That interferes with memory. It interferes with other things. Um, and it interferes with uh, libido. It interferes with um, the things in life that... Are pleasurable and it's always there it's in the back of your mind so if you're taking a benzodiazepine for panic or anxiety there are other options okay so how do we treat if you're not using benzos as the first shelf drug that people grab um, well we treat it of course with counseling um, learning how to use distraction techniques Cognitive behavioral therapy. We we have other medications. We try to find at best therapeutic option that just makes sense without getting on controlled substances that cause um, problems with habituation. Now, the other thing about panic attacks, like I said, they're triggers. It can lead to phobias, and you don't want those triggers. You want to avoid it at all costs, so you get real phobic. And um, that needs to be treated professionally. Anxiety can do that as well, but that's a pretty severe anxiety, and I, I have seen that, so talk that over with the healthcare professional because that really needs help, um, and it's, it's not simple. All right, so what are the risk factors? Well, depression, pain, addiction, Bipolar, anxious personality, you know what you are. Um, 
alcohol and drugs, uh, alcohol in particular, because it's so readily available, you can you can do too much drinking over time, and you can be um, that motorcycle scared me. Um, you can get habituated to that alcohol or whatever and you get very anxious when you're getting low or you get, don't have it readily available or it's it's not in your eyesight or it's not um, part of the daily plan you've got something else going on so that can induce anxiety and any stressful event can if it's not coping uh, that you have a skill at um you know, resilience, that big R word, resilience, that's a hard thing. Resilience is, is not easy. If you've got it, you're a lucky person. Uh, it's something that has to be trained and learned, as can be. You know, you're going to get anxious with stressful events. We have to learn how to hand stressful events vis-a-vis that's life, okay? Everybody has problems. Back to Facebook and Instagram. That's a world that doesn't exist. And don't kid yourself. These people that look perfect are not. I hear it in the exam room. I hear it under, you know, protected circumstances, closed doors. You know, the provider-patient relationship built on trust, built on confidence. I hear it. And I hear it from people you wouldn't believe. they got all the money in the world. They've got... uh, beautiful life uh, golf uh, I, I was taking care of a professional golfer once who had everything everything in the beautiful life go on and on um, you, a complete um, reconciled when it came to little events or stressful events getting into the problem and the spiral he started losing started having panic attacks but he got treated got back on track so you can't get treated i don't know if i left anything out about anxiety and panic but just remember it's part of the brain uh, where depression lives it's part of the brain that can work against you but it, it can also be your friend i mean um utilize um your utilize your skills as you have them but get help. So this is an informational channel. Leave me some stars, if you will. Um, it's it's hard to get stars for some reason. I um, really appreciate it. it. Just helps me rank. You know, I'm not monetized here, so I mean, I just I just want to get available to more people to see my YouTube channel, Pain Information. Check that out. I'm working on that one. And um, go ahead and leave me a message or read them all. Uh, you can do that at paininformation.com. Not a great website. I've, I've got the the new one someday I'll put up, but <laughs> I've got, uh, you know, uh, I got a time crunch podcast in a car. You get it. Um, I also have another podcast that's kind of fun that I do, uh, Watt Me, The World According to Me. Um, and I've got some more I'll put up on that. I, that's my. That's just so much fun for me to do. I haven't done it in a while because I've worked on this one. But um, we've got a lot coming this year. We, I about <clears throat> had uh, the toughest year in 2020, as we all have with COVID. But a year ago uh, in March, I personally saw a thousand patients in March, April, 
uh, each month a thousand patients, and it, I mean, patients had those three crises going on. There's a pain epidemic, an opioid epidemic, and we got to remain available to them. And um, COVID, we got through it. <clears throat> I got my uh, virus shot, so think about that. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, if if you can get it. Talk it over with your healthcare provider, but I'm I'm not holding back with my recommendations to people. I'm I'm happy I got it. I just feel safer with and around people. So anyway, you all stay healthy out there. Um, I see my little green sign up there for Publix, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna sign off here, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you soon. Bye.